CEE Central Europe Explained An IDM podcast series powered by Erste Group Episode 22 Serbia and its vaccination strategy The game of geopolitics and disinformation In February 2021 the news outlets were reporting that the Serbian government had been successful in its vaccination strategy, which prioritized healthcare over politics by looking at the purchase and distribution of vaccines as a healthcare issue. Back then, the country was leading the vaccination race with the highest vaccinations rates within Europe. But half a year later, the number of given jobs has stagnated with 41.5 of Serbia's population vaccinated. Like everywhere, vaccine skepticism plays an important role, with young people being the hardest age group to convince. The number of given jobs is not increasing anymore, a result of many complex factors such as historical and socio-political connotations, as well as problems in public discourse, disinformation and controversial narratives. My name is Emma Honteberry. I am podcast producer for the IDM and today I am welcoming Vuk Velabait, a political analyst focusing on the relations between Serbia, Russia and the West, based in Belgrade. Together we will see how the Serbian vaccination process overlaps the current complex political, geopolitical and informative discourse. Hi, Vuk. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, and thank you for hosting me today. So let me start with this. Sabia had a very successful start in its vaccination campaign, especially with the large range of vaccines available in the country. Prime Minister Anna Branavic even claimed that Serbia was among the few countries which looked at the vaccine purchase and distribution as a healthcare issue and not as a geopolitical one. What does this show of the Serbs' early vaccination strategy? Basically, it was a healthcare issue. And of course, that it is still a healthcare issue. And that is one perspective that we can have when we talk about vaccination process and everything related how the government in Serbia looked at the, uh, the pandemic and how they tried to overcome the pandemic. But from the beginning, it was also a geopolitical thing. Uh, not only like from vac uh, when vaccination started, but even before, like from March last year, when the state of emergency was introduced in Serbia, uh, we had like a big uh, geopolitical switch that Serbia made towards China. And uh, Chinese presence in Serbia when it comes to so-called donations and uh, humanitarian role that China had during the pandemic is something that changed a bit how Serbia is geopolitically positioned and uh, which allies Serbia has or uh, it makes like in the East or in the West because uh, there was absence of help which should come from the EU or maybe some Western partners, China used that opportunity to play like a better role in Serbia 
And Serbia government accepted that new Chinese role and all the help uh, that came from China. So from the beginning, it was kind of geopolitical thing, uh, even though it was also like a health issue. Uh, but when vaccination started, the whole narrative that Serbian government created is that uh, we are getting vaccines from China, that we have like a big friend in Chinese government. But even though Serbia paid all those vaccines and Serbian citizens do not know what is the price of Chinese help during the pandemic and speaking about uh, vaccines. So it is both a health issue and geopolitical thing. Even though Prime Minister and Serbian President are saying that we are doing everything to, to save lives in Serbia, but that is not the thing that we are witnessing today. Thank you very much. And following what you just said, so Serbia has been allowing the use of various COVID-19 vaccines in the country, including, as you said, the Chinese Sinopharm and the Russian Sputnik, while they were not even under European laws yet. Um, now, the way that people did get these different jobs somehow illustrates different mentalities linked to historical and social political context. Mm. What would you say about it? I would say that uh, the strategy of Serbian government in the beginning was a good one because they made like a gamification process out of vaccination. So in spite of uh, asking people, would you like to get vaccinated or not? They offered different vaccines. So people had a chance to choose a vaccine according to their ideology or how they perceive the West or the East or Russia or China and their role in Serbia. So it was a good strategy, but everything that happened after that basically showed the lack of trust of Serbian citizens in Serbian institutions. Because when you do not trust what the doctors are saying, because uh, you had like a plenty of doctors speaking on televisions with national frequency who were spreading conspiracy theories. When you have some government officials who were sending different messages regarding vaccination, that is also something that creates that anti-vax narrative. This opportunity for Serbian citizens to choose uh, vaccines, uh, it was very related to their beliefs and narratives they they believe because a lot of people who think that russia is the biggest friend of serbia they got sputnik those who believe that the west uh, is serbian like uh, most favored partner or that the west is like uh, the way which we should go like pro-european pro-western Uh, way uh, those people took Pfizer, for example. And those who believe that China is the biggest ally of Serbia, they took Sinopharm. So it was very, uh, very correlated with the beliefs. And that is a very unique thing that happened, I think, in Europe, because uh, in other countries, especially in the European countries, 
citizens were only offered like vaccines that were approved by EU health authorities, and it was uh, mostly Pfizer and AstraZeneca. While in Serbia, uh, Serbian authorities, they didn't want to wait for EU because we are not member of the EU. They didn't want for the EU to tell us which vaccines to use. And speaking from the health perspective, that was maybe like a good strategy not to wait what others would approve or disapprove. If you have like 1 million Sinopharm vaccines, you will use it and you will try to vaccinate more citizens as, as it is possible. But everything that happened after that first wave of vaccination basically showed the lack of trust in institutions and showed how anti-vax movement is strong in Serbia. So you were talking about um, these narratives, but actually which role have the government and media played in the diffusion of both of them, also the pro-vaccination? How is the government fostering vaccination in Serbia today? I would say that in the beginning, the government lapsed those citizens who were willing to get vaccinated. So you had the opportunity to sign in for vaccine that you would like to get. And it was the, that first wave was very strong. So I would say around of 30 to 40% of population got vaccinated in that first wave, but the government was not promoting the vaccination in the beginning. They just let people who would like to get vaccine to get it. And after all those who wanted uh, on their own will to get vaccine, the, the vaccination process stopped. And there are few reasons for that. The one is that uh, the government, uh, they didn't promote the vaccination process truly. It was not like a strategic planning uh, and not very good communication. Even though all government uh, like um, ministers and the president, they got vaccine, but in the same time, there were a lot of people speaking on TV stations that are under regime control who were spreading anti-vax narrative. And the reason for that is uh, that President Vucic's party, I think they are a bit scared of some potential political party or movement that could get popularity on anti-vax narrative. So I think that Vucic's strategy was basically to control both narratives, narrative pro-vaccination and narrative anti-vaccination. I'm saying that because I witnessed how that anti-vax narrative was created. And if you allow those people who are spreading conspiracy theories to talk every day on TV stations with national coverage, which are under government's control, then it's a clear message that you are the most responsible for that, why the vaccination process stopped. And in the beginning, Serbia was the global leader in vaccination. Today, Serbia got vaccinated only half of its population. And today, we are a global leader in new daily corona cases. So it's a big uh, disaster like what we have witnessed in the beginning. And we had the ability 
like uh, for people to get vaccinated. And we have today more vaccines than it will be used. So the government, they made another foreign policy strategy to influence other countries, neighboring countries, and to build maybe some stronger position for Serbia, like in geopolitical arena, among some other players, because our government is donating the vaccines that aren't going to be used in Serbia because people do not want to get vaccinated. Today, mm-hmm. the situation in the country has significantly changed, as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And Serbia is not, let's say, a vaccination success story anymore. So mm-hmm. is those narrative the main reason why people are not getting vaccinated anymore? Or is it also logistically um, linked? I believe that logistic, it's not the thing and it's not the issue. I would say the narrative is the issue. And also, like, if you do not trust in institutions, if you do not trust what doctors are saying on TV, or if they're constantly sending mixed messages like pro-vaccination or anti-vaccination, or uh, corona is a serious virus, or corona is just a funny thing, as it was the case last year, for example, when some doctors were speaking on TV. Uh, so when you have like that very mixed narratives and lack of trust, you get this, what we are witnessing today in Serbia. And of course you have, as in any other country in the world, there is always like a part of population who do not want to get vaccinated. So you have that group and you have the other the other group that was highly influenced by narratives created by the government or people close to government who created that narrative because they were uh, scared that some other political party will win on on anti-vax movement. And one of the reasons, for example, uh, why the government in Serbia is not introducing like COVID entries, like if you would like to go to restaurant or to theater or to cinema that you need to show or like a certificate that you're vaccinated is because next year we are going to have parliament, uh, presidential and local elections. So they do not want to risk with those COVID passes because they will probably lose some some waters uh, because mostly like those uh, anti-vax people are basically the voters of Buddhist party. Thank you very much. I would like to come back just quickly on what the prime minister Anna Branavich said regarding the non-geopolitical matter of the vaccination process. So you said that now Serbia is giving jobs for people from different countries. How mm-hmm. this might be actually a positive point for the um, international policy of the country? So I think that in package with some other things that Serbia is is doing in the region, Serbia is trying to build a position of regional center and uh, the most significant regional player in the Balkans. And this vaccination foreign policy is part of that. 
so I think that Serbia is strengthening its position because a few months ago when the EU didn't send any humanitarian help or any vaccines to Western Balkan countries, Serbia was the state that was donating vaccines to other to neighboring countries. And Serbia basically sent a message that we are here to help each other. We are against nationalism. We are against war or any any other thing that is sometimes related to Serbia. Uh, So that is one thing. The other thing is also, for example, Serbia donated 100,000 Pfizer vaccines to Czech Republic a few months ago. So it is also like a message to the EU uh, look, Serbia, who is not a member of the EU, is donating 100,000 Pfizer vaccines to your member country. So it is also sending a message. And the third thing is that Serbia is donating vaccines in North African countries and in countries that were close allies of ex-Yugoslavia in Africa, So it's maybe, again, some kind of strengthening Serbian position and role in global politics. Even though Serbia today is a small country and small player, but Vucic is trying to present Serbia as a global player to his voters. Because if his voters see that Serbia is a global player, they will be very proud of it. And he's in a way, buying a support uh, for the upcoming elections. Thank you very much. Uh, I would like to ask you as well, which, according to you, would be maybe the best strategy to follow right now to foster vaccination in Serbia? I believe that the best strategy would be to uh, let publicly to speak people who had coronavirus, because I think that is the only way when people who do not want to get vaccinated to hear the real stories from the hospitals and to hear what might happen to you if you don't get vaccine that is one thing and the other is i would like to see like serbian government and serbian president uh more honestly and uh calling people for for vaccination and creating some some maybe some other incentives uh, that would call people to get vaccinated. Luke, thank you so much for your expertise and very interesting insights. As an ending question, I want to ask you to recommend a piece of art or a piece of literature to our audience and explain why in a few sentences. So at the moment, I'm reading one interesting book that is closely related to what we just uh, talked about, and it's called uh, Suspicious Minds. Uh, So it's about uh, uh, why we believe conspiracy theories. And the author of this book basically gives the, uh, he explores the history and consequences of conspiracy theories. So I think this is a very, uh, very nice and interesting book when we talk about coronavirus, uh, vaccines, and everything that is part of our conspiracy reality that we are living in today. Thank you so much again. It was great to talk to you. Thank you very much. 
So you enjoyed this podcast? Then tune into another CEE episode and subscribe to the IDM podcast series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Acast, or elsewhere you get your podcast. And also have a look at the rest of our work on our website www.idm.at For any feedback or podcast collaboration, feel free to contact me at e.honchaberry at idm.at The email is in the description below. This was CEE, Central Europe Explained, a podcast series produced by the Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe, powered by Group with the ongoing participation of Daniela Paiden, Marvin Natalik, Daniel Martinek and Sebastian Schaeffer. Production and editing, Emma Hunterberry. Proofreading, Jack Gill. IDM Podcast. Institut für den Donauraum und Mitteleuropa. Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe. European Perspectives. Regional actions, cooperation and expertise since 1953.